0: Tuning you in now
1: to the LBX Daily Show,
0: brought to you by the LBX Collective,
1: your community to connect, engage, and inspire. Now,
0: let's get ready to roll
1: with your hosts, Christine Buer and Brandon Wiley. All right.
0: Welcome, everybody,
1: to the Friday edition of the LBX Daily Show
0: happy Friday. I know. I'm like, I should right. be excited. It's the weekend. And then I'm like, wait a second. It really means nothing to me. <laughs> but yeah, like, does sure. It doesn't really change that much. I still continue to do the same things. So
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. And the, I'm flying out tomorrow. So I'm, I feel like I almost like don't have a weekend because I'm flying out tomorrow to San Antonio for the FEC summit, the IAPA FEC summit. So I'm excited to be there, but, uh, but yeah, it also eats up a good portion of the weekend, yeah. but that's all yeah. right.
0: Well, oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear all the fun stuff that you learn and you can share when you
1: come yeah, back. yeah it's gonna be it's good it's it There's a lot of like two great keynote speakers, a couple of great panels, and then some pretty cool tours, so it should be a lot of fun right good on. time for education and learning all right okay. well, I want to talk about balsania, so <laughs> I've been wanting to talk about balsania for a year or for a year a week I'm oh, not a year a felt week, like a year. <laughs> yeah, it felt like a year, yeah, exactly. Um, and so bottom line, the uh, Balzania is from Sega. And, you know, it's it's this mesmerizing adventure that combines nostalgia. They say that combines the nostalgia of pinball with modern flair. And so players use intuitive pinball style plunger. They launch balls up into the play field with the goal of landing them in wind win zone holes and so it's all about, as they say, precision and timing, especially when aiming for the big ticket bonus hole nestled in the center's rotating disc. And so I thought, you know, you can talk about it, but it also just maybe is helpful to show it. And so I uh, thought, like, why don't we just take a quick look at the, uh, you know, the gameplay here, and then I want—I've got a couple of thoughts on it. i want going to hear your thoughts too. It's going to buffer.
0: Like. Cool. We'll be
1: Okay, well, you get the idea. We don't need to wait for this to buffer. Uh, So yeah, you get the idea there. And, um, you know, I guess my thought is, first of all, it's if you don't know if you've ever played pachinko, have you ever played pachinko machines, uh, like from really popular in Japan? Okay, like, so you're talking
0: about the one where you drop it down and goes uh, plinko,
1: like in, uh, oh no, there's plinko, which is from from no no pachinko machines are actually really popular in Japan where they're they're actually used heavily for gambling. So like like this is this is my this is the conversation I want to have about this actually okay. is pachinko machines they're like used to be like like basically slot machines like really popular in Japan. They're little marbles and they fire from the bottom. They go up and they hit a bunch of pins and they fall down and then they fall in different spots. And if you get them in these little certain holes and you win more balls and then if you end up at the end with more balls than you originally paid for well then you get money back for each of those balls and that's like effectively winning um like you would at a slot machine and my issue with that is there's no fucking skill and my concern about this is like we call these redemption games and there's a lot of conversation and we often have to fight back on legislation when it comes to a lot of redemption games based on the fact that they're not skill games. And so what we're doing is you're effectively gambling and spending money to potentially win tickets on something that doesn't have any form of skill. And now kids are doing that. And yes, many of them are spending their parents' money, but they're the ones doing it. And so a lot, a lot of state legislation or state legislatures and other and even other countries in Europe especially have done things to push back around these and have like tried to ban redemption gaming in general Because they've claimed it's not skill, and so I would love to just get your thoughts, you know, like on on this front, especially these types of games for redemption.
0: Yeah, like I mean, there's so many that would fall under this category. I mean, we were just talking about this earlier today. The pushers, like (laughs) boy, you can lose a lot of money quickly on those, right? So, and I get it, and that's not skill. That's that's literally just dropping a quarter in, right? I mean, maybe someone would argue it's timing, and you have to actually kind of time things out, so. Could that be arguably a skill game, so to speak? I don't know. That's pushing the limits, though, right? It's the line there. And I mean, I don't know. Like, as an adult, I'm okay with it because I know what I'm doing. I know it's not skill. I'm just going to go and Mm -hmm. try my luck, and it's all fine. But if you are pushing that into a kid zone or your kids are doing it and you're hooking them early, I definitely get the argument that, no, you are creating gambling for kids, and it's it's dangerous. It's a dangerous Mm -hmm. habit to start creating at that young of an age and teaching kids. So I'm all for finding different ways to execute these games or uh, different creative other games that we could put in place instead of these for the kids.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know their their take on this is that depending on the how far back you pull the plunger and like those things, like it's going to get yeah. the ball to go different places. So like, could you refine that skill a little bit? Maybe, but my you know it's uh, some of the same issues that I have with like a big bass wheel, for example. And yes, the minimum payout on a bass wheel is 10, 10 credits, and depending on what you charge for it, there's right. there's like value, and I get that. But you know you know, like there's a div- big difference between playing skee ball and playing big bass wheel as far as skill is concerned and what you actually get from a redemption, you know, the the number of credits you get when you win.
0: Well, and I don't really have a hard time with like, okay, the big bass wheel, if you charge properly and you give the right amount of tickets, I'm okay with that. But there's so many people that don't like, sometimes I've gone in and big bass was $5 to play and you get like 10 tickets, you know, I'm like, ouch, like, that that's not worth it for the play of that game. Like I don't care. Just going and spinning the wheel and watching the little video on the top. It's just it's just not that great. You exactly,
1: know? exactly. And I've watched my you know kids. Now they've outgrown some of these things a little bit, but I've watched my kids like before when they were younger go and pick one of these types of games, like like a, like a Balzania type of game, and they yeah. just keep playing it over and over and over, trying to win and expecting a different result, and getting incredibly frustrated. And then when their $10 that I gave them to play on the, in the arcade room is gone and they burned it all on one game because he kept trying to play over and over. And all they ended up with is like a ticket, uh, like a, like a, you know, a little one ticket after each game play is something to get for the the cost of the dollar play. Like that's super frustrating as a parent and as a kid, that's not a great experience.
0: No. And that's why I kind of liked when we, in, I don't know when it was invented or when somebody came up with this idea of doing arcade game cards for you, for your redemption as well. So it, you would include some of your redemption games and some of your arcade games. And it'd be like a $20 card. You get an hour where you could still go do the big wheel, but you weren't getting tickets, you know, yes. but you weren't also being charged $5. So you got that plan. But I mean, there's a big argument there. Is that worth it? Are you taking money away from them, spending the money on redemption, which I would argue, yes, probably are, you know, mm-hmm. there's some loss there and you should only really be putting certain games under that game card. But,
1: uh, yeah, my- yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think, I think, no, the, the, the point is like, I think it's just, it's a, it's a tricky line to walk and it's a slippery slope yeah. when you start introducing games like this onto your game floor, especially if you're in a state in which they're considering legislation that will outlaw these types of games because they are not skill-based and you start to put in too many of these games on your game floor. And then things really start to look tricky. Like it's one thing if you have one or two of them and that's fine. And like, because nobody's going to spend all their time and money on one game. But if you have an entire game floor made up of games like a Balzania that are just frankly not skill-based at all, then you run into problems. So
0: yeah. And, and I do think that this is worthy of a further conversation within our industry, and someone should champion this, um, maybe IAPA, but having a conversation and getting uh, FEC owners and other, other people that have these games in place in into this conversation to decide how we're going to move this forward, because it would be very bad for our industry if all of a sudden, uh, you know, governments were saying in different mm-hmm. states and provinces and whatever it is, no, you cannot have these games anymore, because they are a big part of an FEC and what actually makes the fabric of an FEC.
1: Of course, of course. And they're fun and the kids enjoy it and, you know, they enjoy getting their things. We just have to be careful. Like there's a balance and moderation. And I feel like some of the games that have come out recently, like like this Balzania, have just pushed the boundaries too close to the, to the pure luck-based versus skill-based redemption games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cut the ropes in there. You know, there's...
1: Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So... Um, all right. Well, anyway, no, that's that's all's okay. in. I've been wanting to talk about. It. I had this conversation for a long time, and then we finally got a chance to have that today. So, all
0: right. Yes. Well, you know what else is cutting a close line for me here <laughs> is the new this this new um, immersive uh, uh, this place that's opening up in uh, Japan. Or it's called Fort Tokyo, and they're claiming to be the first immersive, like truly immersive amusement park. And I was like, wait a second, I, I don't truly actually believe this. So I want to get your opinion on this. So I'm going to pull this up on screen. I've had my eye on this for a while, but they finally released some new pictures. So I only have pictures to share. And I thought it was kind of unique. Like I like looking at their marketing to see how they actually position and place different things. And so uh, this has been this. They say this was inspired by some of the interactive shows in London. And it's an upcoming indoor theme park that's going to be fully immersive, giving visitors roles and stories that unfold over 12 different attractions across the center. Now, the attractions are going to come in different themes, and most of them are going to be kind of murder mystery type themes and escape room themes where you solve riddles and puzzles as you go around the park. And I mean, it sounds like it could actually be pretty interesting, but like, let's go through a couple examples here. So this one that I have on the screen, and I mean, this already appeals to me, it's called the Sherlock Holmes, uh, Sherlock Baker Street murder case And it's a huge, massive theater that you walk through as a character and you get immersed in the story and you have to solve different things. You could become a victim, a suspect, or you could actually be the detective that solves the case. And so I'm like, oh, that sounds really cool and like like a fun experience. Then they have another one called uh, the Tokyo Revengers. And this is an anime themed escape room where you have to go in and solve puzzles and you kind of get caught up in between two gangs. And in order to save yourself, you have to become a story, a character in the story and decide what side and whose gang you're actually going to be on. They have a bunch of other things. They have this one called spy action, which is street entertainment, which I'm assuming is uh, just through the general area. You have people walking around just providing some sort of like street entertainment and things on the side that people can enjoy They have a Jack the Ripper maze that you go through. You have to escape before Jack the Ripper uh, catches you. They have, this is just weird, a Hansel and Gretel exhibit. So it's just sounds like it's a story line of Hansel and Gretel. And you get to walk through and see the different uh, houses and different things that kind of uh, work with Hansel and Gretel. And then finally, they have a restaurant called the Cabaret, which is an immersive sort of show and restaurant now, I don't know about you, but this kind of reminds me of, we talked about it a while ago, the gunpowder plot experience in the UK, where you kind of come into the story and you're a character and you get to listen and do different things. And then there was another one that you reported on recently in the UK and I can't remember what it was
1: called. Yeah, uh, that's why we need our GPT to yeah. be able to do the searching through all of our past shows, but uh, I can't remember it, but uh, in the name of it now. And yeah, I don't think that the first to do anything like this. I think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. I also think like they just decided to take the word immersive and put it in front of every single one of their different attractions and okay. What exactly makes them immersive? Maybe the cabaret, the dining is like an immersive dining experience and that could be very interesting. But like just because you have an escape room, well an escape room by definition is intended to be immersive. So I don't really know what's interesting or unique about what they're doing without seeing like real life examples of their space and and how everything interacts and plays together. If they're all just separate attractions and you're just in this place and you're going to these separate attractions, well, then you just have some attractions. And like, so I want to know a little bit more about what makes their whole thing this immersive experience.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you now. Okay, so get this. <laughs> the park is 30,000 square meters. Now, oh, t- oh, I, hopefully oh. I, I think I translated this properly. So that's 320,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, well, how big is that? It's apparently six football fields. Like, that's huge.
1: No, that's that's bigger than Desertland, right? I mean, so oh, look, we've yeah, been to Desertland. I mean, that's that's 250,000 square feet. I don't understand. So that seems and, not right.
0: So apparently, they're going to have six stores in there—retail stores, like uh, from what I gathered—and multiple restaurants that they just aren't showing yet. So okay, I mean,
1: all right. Well, then that, that could be if it's just these things. things that we saw here. There's no way that it takes up 300,000 square feet. But if there's this times five, and there's a bunch of other experiences in there as well. Then, well, maybe it's interesting and becomes yeah. like this really big immersive mini Tokyo that you go through. So,
0: right. yeah, we, go big, well,
1: go home. You know, that's yeah, I saying. guess, man, fuck <laughs> me, three hundred thousand. Like, we're looking at filling a hundred thousand square feet, and we're you know, that, that's, know. that's daunting. Imagine <laughs> filling three hundred thousand square feet, and wow, that's amazing.
0: Immersive. Well, very interesting. We a lot of LED panels.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so one the clearly the company that like took theming and immersion to you know, really defined that it's Disney, and um really like, I came across a story about Lanny Smoot, and so Lanny Smoot is a Imagineer, and he is actually a Disney Research fellow, and uh, and so he actually Imagineered what's called the hollow tile floor for omnidirectional experiences and you know, primarily VR experiences. But basically the new technology was developed by Smoot and he is also being inducted into the national inventors hall of fame. And what's cool about that is that he's the first Disney Imagineer to receive that recognition being inducted in national inventors hall of fame. And is only the second person from the Walt Disney company to be inducted. The first was Walt Disney, and he was honored posthumously, actually, in 2000 for the multi-plane camera, which obviously was a, was a massive shift in cinematography uh, back you know, back in, in the early you know, 1930s uh, and 1940s. But in a press release, Disney actually said that the hollow tile floor is the world's first multi-person, omnidirectional, modular, expandable treadmill floor. And if you add enough adjectives together, you're going to be the world's first of anything. But truly when you watch this thing, it is, it is like absolutely the world's first. And so I want to just show, I want to just show a little bit of this here. So help me if we have another buffering issue. (laughs)
2: Look
0: at this. Like, I don't even understand. I'm so excited. I want to see this.
1: Yeah. It's awesome. And like, All right. I'm just going to reload real quick.
2: Okay. Let's go. Come on. Nice. So this is the holotile. It is. Oh, my gosh. And Um. as a matter of fact, I'm going to do a little demonstration of it. So I can walk on this omnidirectional
1: floor. I'm so sorry, everybody.
2: In any direction I want. It will automatically do whatever it needs to have me stay on the floor. And what's amazing about this is multiple people can be on it and all walking independently. They can walk in virtual reality and so many other things. So this is neat. Yeah, it's super cool. I don't. Yeah. Where are you hoping
1: this tech ends up?
2: You know, imagine a number of people being in a room, being able to be somewhere else collaboratively and moving around, seeing, doing sightseeing. Imagine theatrical stages that might have these uh, embedded in them so that dancers can do amazing moves. Not me, but (laughs) really good dancers. Um, So there are just so many applications for this type of technology, and we don't know yet where that. Mm -hmm. where Mm it will be used well it's official
1: i think you probably have one of the coolest jobs
2: yeah i think you're right it it gives me an amazing opportunity to use these inventions that i've made in service of people having fun
1: well lanny it's been great catching up with you thanks for showing us around so So how amazing and cool is that like Uh it's incredible and like the, I mean, I can immediately think of a bunch of applications for something like this. So many. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I just, what was the hand thing? Like if someone were someone actually, was that just like, I
1: think, just, I think they were just, I think they were just being silly. Right. Like, oh, you know, okay. it was, it was okay. like the, the motion was controlled, was like pre-programmed on the computer. I think they were just being silly, but okay. there's no reason to think that you wouldn't be able to tie some form of like, I could see them doing this on some of their stage shows. Like, You know, imagine like, especially in Galaxy's, Galaxy's Edge and somebody that pushes with the force and somebody moves back automatically, like they slide back or they push something because it's like, I could see them using it in their theatrical performances, obviously in VR and there's so many applications for something like this.
0: I really want to get on it and try it because when I look at it, I just can't assimilate like what, like, I feel like I would slip and fall. Do you know what I mean? Like, i just, I want to know how it would actually feel to walk. How stable would it be? Like, do you, like how balanced How much balance do you actually have to walk on this, right?
1: I mean, from what I can tell, he's just walking. You know, he's just Mm -hmm. walking like normal, and there's no balance. I mean, those things, those tiles are super flat on the ground, and they. What it was cool is like he zoomed in, and then like they slightly rotate and pivot all the time, constantly, and they're spinning and they're moving, and like it's phenomenal. Like it's absolutely incredible uh, technology that he's developed.
0: Cool. When are we going to get this for our houses? Exercise, yeah. or something, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I know.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: All right. Right on. Yeah. That's going to be cool. Well, innovation, innovation, innovation. So yeah, exactly. um, Okay. Quick. We have time for one more. Yes.
1: Yeah, sure. Let's just talk. Let's let's do your last one here.
0: Okay. All right. Pizza. I feel like I'm always talking about pizza. I really like it a lot. But this one got me. I I thought this was hilarious. There's a $75 pizza that you can buy. It's uh, at a pizza pop-up in this uh, Michelin star restaurant called Fiola's. Now, uh, Fiola's is only one Michelin star, not a three. Uh, But they've created this fancy pizza. And I've got a picture of it here. And it is $75 for one of these bad boys. It has a fancy mozzarella on it, truffles, and a 72-hour fermented dough. So I'm just like, wow, wow, this is crazy. Like $75 for a pizza. Is that something? Would you ever spend that much money on a pizza? I guess is my question first.
1: No, no, no. I I don't know how many times I could say no, especially a pizza that size. Like, am I going to pay $75 to buy like a three foot size pizza or something that's like going to feed my family? Sure. But that little pizza that I could eat in an hour
0: or like in a half uh, an hour? No. This might change your mind if you're a truffle lover, but the truffles that they use on top, they actually go for $600 an ounce in peak season. So when you factor that in, I can get it, right? Uh, And and it might just actually even be a good deal, to be honest, for this pizza. And apparently it's really popular. They say make reservations because they sell out quickly. And I I think I would actually try this. (laughs) I just, I would, I would hope it would satisfy my truffle craving though, because that's a lot of money for a little truffle on a, Big
1: old pizza. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like we're in this phase right now. And I don't who I was talking about this with, but like we're in this phase where all you have to do to elevate something, a food and beverage is truffle, truffleize it. So oh, you just agree. put a little bit of you know, it's truffles on your coffee or truffles on your fries oh, or truffles on your oil. pizza now. Or like a little bit of truffle oil and like, you know, everything. You know, all of a sudden, if it's, you know, if it, you have truffle, then you can charge three times the amount because it was truffleized. And mm-hmm. so I maybe I just made up that. Maybe I just coined a new term to truffleize something.
0: I like it. Let's break that down.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I love, I love the smell of truffle though. It's like one of my favorite things. I find it very calming and comforting. It's like comfort food.
1: Yeah. The smell is fine. I'm not a big fan of the taste personally, but a lot of people are and people pay lots of money for it. So good on this guy for figuring out how to capitalize on the, on the current truffle craze.
0: That's right. So this weekend guys want you to go out and truffleize something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All right. Well, everybody have a great weekend. This is CB and BW signing off. Stay tuned and keep kicking ass.